This is Alone With Our Principles, Episode 3. Endangering the lives of children would be unwise at this juncture of your career. In this episode, we'll be talking with Ranchero Middle School Principal Alicia Bennett and Crystal Elementary School Principal Shannon Garibay about all the things a new principal needs to know. <laughs> Alone With Our Principles is unofficially sponsored by Pop-Tarts. Wheaties may be the breakfast of champions, but Pop-Tarts are the amazingly delicious and convenient breakfast of the guy who came in seventh. Mess with the bull, young man. You'll get the horns. You've got a real attitude problem, McFly. You're a slacker. So far this semester, he has been absent nine times. Nine times. Nine All right, well, welcome to Alone With Our Principals. We are here with Alicia Bennett, the principal of Ranchero Middle School. How are you doing, Alicia? I am doing fantastic. Thanks for having me, gentlemen. All right, and Shannon Garibay at Crystal. Hi, how are you guys both doing? Fantastic. <laughs> I have to tell you, uh, over the weekend, I actually sat down and watched Back to the Future with my kids. Oh, good. And, you know, you made a comment, I think, on the first episode about Strickland. Like, he's, he's so nasty, but there's really no reason, there's no explanation why. And so that was like my takeaway, like, oh my gosh, man, he's, he's kind of a tyrant, but you, you don't get the backstory there. So, no, we you know. need to see that about Strickland. Have you seen Back to the Future? You guys have seen Back, yeah, yeah. Seen of Back course. to the yeah, Future. That's a classic. No, it's just, it's a year. It's been years. I had to. Yeah. And it's yeah. funny that you say that because I watched uh, I watched Ferris Bueller again just to kind of get some background on. Uh, basically, our mascot is is Ed Rooney, the principal. Um, future Bueller. episodes, yeah, exactly. <laughs> we're we're, we're going to dig in in a few episodes, yeah. maybe to see what he did right and what he did wrong. But but anyway, let's start with you, Alicia. Why don't you tell sure. us a little bit about your experience? What led you to becoming a principal in the first place? Sure. I started off, of course, as a teacher, as most all of us have. Um, taught, did most of my teaching in the Temecula Unified School District, transitioned up to the Hesperia School District and did one year teaching here. Then 13 years ago now, started my venture into administration as a vice principal at the high school level and spent 10 years at the high school level. And this is now my fourth at the middle school level and kind of just bounced back and forth between Hesperia High and Ranchero and loved every minute of both. And fast forward, now we're here as a, a principal in the pandemic. Woohoo! <laughs> That's right. Insert sarcasm. Interesting. Yeah, fill, yes. fill in your For own sure. Yeah. Joke little note, little known fact about Miss Bonnet. You know, she does have a nickname. Already. What's her nickname? Uh, I, have a nickname. I didn't know this. I, I didn't coin the nickname. I've just heard it tossed. I don't think I've ever actually used it. But um, we, on the, on the east side of town, affectionately refer to her as Rattles. Rattles. Yeah. There, yes, you go. there may or may not have be a Madam Rattles in front madam of that. Rattles. And fun fact, Mr. Land, you just opened up war officially oh. by sharing oh, this. <laughs> oh, nobody listens to this. No, this is just between us. <laughs> this is just for the record. Just between Ranchero us. Rattlers. So there, there is, is a there is I accept that nickname with pride right yeah, now. Right. Thank you, Mr. Land. You're welcome. All right, and Shannon, why don't you tell us about your background? So I've been with the district since 2006, so 14 years. I started out as a teacher. I taught general education, transitioned to special education, and then I was an instructional coach. From there, I went into being the assistant principal at Mission Crest, and now I am the very proud principal of Crystal. Go Comets. What's your favorite part about being at, in the Crystal community? I think my favorite part is just having 
Well, we have amazing participation with our families and our community. So I think that community connection is one of my favorite things about being at Crystal. All right. So Eric, why don't you take yeah. it from here? So the next segment of our podcast here is um, what we call the quiz. And so we've got like, uh, well, not like, there's three questions that we're going to ask <laughs> exactly each of you um, just to help the, our listeners get to know you a little bit better and also about you as a leader as well. So I will start off with the first question. So um, I guess, Ms. Bonnet, I'll start with you. What is a funny or memorable story from when you were in school? I can't wait for this one. Yes. Oh, no, there's, feeling, the, there's so many, but I did <laughs> sure. narrow it down just last night. I narrowed it down to one. Um, and, you know, anti-bullying and be kind and all of this stuff is big right now. So I went with this one, even though it's pretty embarrassing. Quick so when you is she going to be the bully or the bullied in this story? Uh, yeah. I vote bystander. <laughs> bystander. <laughs> yeah, you're kind of all correct. Okay. Yeah, here we go. Okay. The setting is junior high. And I am walking off an athletic field. I was a big athlete, both in, in middle school and high school. And one of my friends, who's significantly smaller than me, if you all have ever seen a middle school campus, you have, you have kiddos that are four foot tall and kiddos that are six foot tall. And that's just how it rolls in the middle school land. And one of my very best friends is one of those four foot tall. And I have always been taller, even when I was in junior high. Well, I am walking off the athletic field and this young lady from the other team is just lighting her up and being very, very unkind, very being a bully. And me being closer to that person's size decided that that's not okay what's going on. Definitely not. So I step in and I couldn't tell you guys what I said, but I step in. Because you don't remember not, yeah, you no. can't tell us on a G-rated podcast. Thank you for clarifying, Chris. <laughs> I, because I can't remember. Okay. Okay. But I do remember that I shut the bully down and I was feeling very proud of myself. Right. And I was puffed, my chest was puffed, and my shoulders were high, and I, you know, we don't treat people like that, and that's not okay. And I said whatever I said, and I turned around to walk to the bus and walked directly into a pole, face <laughs> Mind you, mind you, the entire bus full of both teams watched this entire ordeal. So when you talk about was I the bystander, the victim, or the bully, I was a little bit of all of it right there. It was a very humbling experience. That's so funny. anyhow, that's my little fun story that I settled on to share with you guys. True right. story. I love it. That's great. That's a good one. I Melissa, good my one. girlfriend that I was sticking up for, still remembers it to this day. Remember when you stuck up with me and ran into a hole? <laughs> face first. Yep. Oh, that's great. Awesome. All right, Ms. Garibay, how about you? So a funny, I, memorable story from when you were in school. I was trying to think of one funny, memorable story, especially after listening to Kallenberger last week mentioning her biting the teacher's hand. <laughs> That's right. <Yeah. laughs> and I was like, oh my goodness, I had the hardest time thinking of one memory. So, and I was trying to think, was I ever in trouble? Because I was mostly well behaved, but. I think what I remember about school is I was pretty social, so I was always passing notes. So I think most of my memories or my memorable stories is passing notes in class. I found every possible sneaky way to do it. And um, I had a teacher, a science teacher named Mr. Cram, and he um, wasn't my favorite. Mr. So Mr. Cram? Mr. Cram, like C-R-A-M, Cram. So, there's, there's, a, there's a study yeah. for one of his test jokes in there. Yeah, yeah. I do remember writing a note about Mr. Cram, um, you know, using the word cram, and uh -oh. he he got the note. So that wasn't that was pretty much. Did he read it aloud? 
No, he didn't. Oh. But I was called out after class, and we had a little chat, and that was probably the one time I kind of remember getting in trouble in high school. That's a great strategy that you mentioned, Alicia, the, the old teacher strategy of reading the note aloud in class. That definitely happened when we were in school. Oh, I, Not, when, when I taught fifth grade, I would if I caught a note, I would read it, and I, I would embellish. I would read things that weren't actually <laughs> in the note, and kids didn't pass notes very often Never. after that one. A couple of those um, where you just can't it. really intercept text messages. You no, know, no, no, it's yeah. a whole different world. Yeah, now. it is a different world. So, all right. So, next question on our quiz, and this time we'll go the other way. We'll start with you, Shannon. Uh, what's the best job that you've had outside of education? The best job. Let's see. So, I've worked at Stater Brothers. I've worked at David's Bridal. Um, I think one of the best. My favorite job is I actually worked at a dance studio, and that's pretty much what led me to education. So. Um, I was in nursing school. I was a semester away from becoming an RN, and I was in uh, working at a dance studio, and it was really, really flexible. That's the reason why it was the best job, because the hours were flexible. But we got contracted to teach in after-school programs. So I was teaching dance in after-school programs, and I remember some of the students would come to me and ask me for help with their homework, or you know, just they didn't understand the math concept. And so even though I was teaching dance, I would stop to kind of help them with their homework and just seeing that light bulb go on in their head inspired me to the point where I started thinking that maybe I was not going in the right direction with my career. So um, that dance job led me to education because those after school programs, just the, it was just such a rewarding feeling seeing the light bulb go off in students' heads or in kids' heads. So I went and changed careers and became a teacher. Yeah, and sometimes uh, that's what gets us into the education. Funny, funny mm -hmm. that you say that, because I got into it when I was, um, uh, I studied music in college, and on Saturday mm -hmm. mornings I would teach composition and harmony to kids in the inner city uh, in East LA. And through that process, I was gonna become a music teacher, and then that's when they were cutting music programs uh, and everything, mm -hmm. so I just segued that into, um, regular education because I enjoyed the classroom setting working with elementary age kids so then became substitute te teacher and here we are so it's kind of that same yeah path. you find you find your calling in education all through uh, different ways so I was in paramedic school and uh, I my nephew who was in fourth grade at the time uh, asked me to come volunteer in his classroom and I remember it was right before Mother's Day because the kids were all making these little sachets with the potpourri and the dried roses and stuff right. and I walked in I was like this is really cool. Like I haven't been in a classroom since I was, yeah. you know. And I remember the moment. Like I'm like I can do this. This yeah. is, you know, this is where I want to be. So you know, kind of have those cool stories, defining moments. Yeah. Alicia, what about you? Best yeah. job outside so of education. Yeah. So I'm jealous because I didn't have an aha. I was one of the freaks that knew in high school I wanted to be a teacher. I I, I was. So I went straight, went in, got my teaching degree. At 21, I was in the classroom. But so, you didn't have a job at high school or no, something? I, no, I did. I, did. Okay. I gotta get there. Okay, all right, sorry. Okay, so <laughs> the coolest job by far is absolutely working with kids. And I'll say, I mean, I knew from a young age. But this specifically says outside of education. So yes, I did work through high school. I worked retail. And then when I went into college, I did some waitressing and some cocktail waitressing. And I have to say the coolest job, and it's not for anything as wholesome as what you said, because I already knew I wanted to be a teacher. She's really setting this up. I worked, I I worked at, well, it's just the honest truth. I'm being honest, I'm, I'm real, you guys. I worked at a little hole in the wall in Old Town San Diego called Oh Hungry's. Hmm. And they served adult beverages by the half yard or the yard, and this was before Yard House was a thing. But that's not why it was cool. 
it was cool because it was on the trolley stop to the stadiums and all kinds of professional athletes. Oh, and and, nice. and the year that the Super Bowl was in San Diego and it and it, it was Florida and the Raiders, I had a re I mean, so many professional athletes came through oh, and it geez. was just a cool experience that I'll never forget. And so that that it's not unwholesome, but it's no, not it's not, not you know. So yes, I always, but I was it's working. It's not teaching on, dance or music in the <laughs> Yes, and being inspired. It was just a very unique experience that you yeah, know is one of those that I filed away as. Hey, this is, and, and I didn't quite appreciate it because I was just getting slammed as a waitress. You know, a twenty-year-old waitress at the time. But now that I look back on it, I'm like, holy cow! We probably had forty different professional athletes come through in one weekend. It was very neat. So yeah. to sum up our entry points into education, we've got um, <laughs> Shannon working at a dance studio, Eric becoming a, p a paramedic, me teaching music in the industry, and Alicia serving foot-long beers to yeah. John Gruden. I said it. I said it. <laughs> <laughs> that was pretty an accurate assumption of what, who's at this table right now, Mr. None of that surprised me. That's no. the funny thing. There Knowing these ladies, it didn't yeah. surprise me at all. Okay, so uh, the third and final question of our short little quiz here. Um, I'll go back to Miss Bonnet. So the last one is, so what is a skill, talent, or hobby of yours that might surprise some of your students or your colleagues? Okay, um, I'm, I'm really proud of this one. And, and, and people who know me, they're in my circle, they already know, but I am a wicked good cook, not a baker. I am a, a wicked good yeah, cook. A difference. Um, and and I, I truly enjoy it when I have the time. The weeknight rush before the kids practice and all of that. No, 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 that's not fun for anybody. But when we're off and I can just do things from scratch and take a couple hours to to build a mill, um, I, it, I just love it. There's something that brings calm and peace to me. What's your specialty? What's the one thing that your kids oh, make, I always make you make? That. Of course. What Every kids single, say, Mom, can you make your You special? know what? My family would all tell you something different. Okay. My husband would tell me that it's my chicken verde enchiladas from scratch. He'll say, that's the day I fell in love with you, honey. <laughs> um, my son is super easy. He's a meat and potatoes boy with some homemade gravy. And my daughter will tell you homemade lasagna. So I don't know which one is my specialty, but they would all tell you something else. All right. So yeah. I certainly appreciate that. I yeah. feel the same. Yeah. All right, uh, Miss Garibay, skill, talent, or hobby, and you can't say dance because we already talked yeah. about it. <laughs> <laughs> Although I want to see a demonstration. You worked at a dance studio. I did Shannon. for years and years, and then I taught. That, I think people know that about you. So what's something that fun fact? Her daughter dances, and she's a beautiful dancer. And, and I've heard. fun fact: our daughters dance together, and we didn't realize that until we saw each other at the dance yeah. studio. Wow. Um, what other skills do I have? I I am not the best cook. I will say that, but I can bake. Oh, so see, you're opposite. Yeah, you're opposite. I like to bake and cookies and loaf cakes. So I would say that's another hobby or talent. But so how many baked goods have you brought your staff? Because the word is out now. Oh, so you know you can do it. or your neighboring staff that that's is true. like three minutes around the corner from you. Nothing goes better with breakfast than like a no side pressure loaf cake. during COVID times. None of that's happening. <laughs> yeah. oh, good answer. Good answer. But I agree, but though. Maybe there's eventually. A, there's definitely a divide between cooking and baking. Because I, I agree. I love to cook yes. all kinds of food. Baking is very different. It's, it's, it's a game of patience. And, and that's know, where you lost me. Precision. <laughs> and you have you know. to take it out of the oven right before it's done. Yes. And, and you're trying to roll out the crust and it's cracking. And, oh, yeah. That's and and I me. think you're absolutely right. The patience thing is not there for me. But I love 
the enjoyment that people get around the table, just enjoying a really yeah. good yeah. meal. Very you know, yeah. yeah. So I, I, I don't know. See, I've got more. a couple of baked specialties. I make my grandmother's gingerbread cookie recipe. Mm -hmm. uh, in fact, we got that coming up with Halloween. I make ginger dead men, where I use the gingerbread man what? cutter. Yeah, yeah. I use the gingerbread man cutter, except I like cut the heads off, and I've got like the red thing. They look like little gingerbread zombies. They're awesome. Oh. Wow. They're really little axes and knives that my wife gets. And at Eric, you're worried about me as the secondary principal? Yeah, he's cut, oh, no, he's it's, cut it's cookies and socks. They're very popular around the Halloween holiday yeah, for I sure. I did sample uh, his. Uh, what they was sound it? delicious. Peanut oh, the butter, the triple, triple fudge brown, peanut, uh, peanut butter. Not even like chocolate. That, Ooh, that was pretty intense. The, no, see, that, I love to eat great baker's food. Yeah, see, that one's got a, la a layer of brownies, then the middle layer is peanut butter cups and crushed peanuts, and the top layer is uh, a peanut butter chocolate rice krispie treat. It's they're amazing. Oh, yeah, they're, they're, that sounds like a little piece of heaven. Yeah, a little piece of he heaven, a little piece of self-loathing self when you're done with it, but they're, they're very well worth it. All right, so we're going to uh, segue into our main topic for the day. Uh, what new principals should know? Both of you are reasonably new mm -hmm. uh, to the principal position. Year I know two. Alicia within the last couple of years and Shannon this the year. Same. Is this is year two. As yeah. a principal, yeah, year two. Okay. Year two for both time. of us as a principal. Okay, so uh, we want to talk about um, what do you know now that you wished you had known your first day? And let's start with there and then um, just kind of talk about being a new principal. What I know now is um, I think my first day I was so nervous and in my head and just looking, uh, we talked today in management about tunnel, just kind of looking down the tunnel. What I wish I would have known then is just to enjoy, like I think with all these COVID stuff happening, um, I wish I would have enjoyed my first day a little bit more and gotten to know more of the students and walked around campus and just got out of my head and enjoyed it because I think we took for granted what we have on campus and with having students on campus with us. So that's what my bit of advice I would give new administrators is enjoy your first day walking onto campus with students and having that interaction. Yeah, I agree. I agree with what you said, Shannon. Um, the other thing that I, I guess, I, I wish I would have known the, 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 the responsibility pressure that was gonna come along with it. Mm -hmm. um, after you, I mean, I was in administration for 12, 11 years before going into the principal role, but MANA changes the minute that you go into that role and you don't, yes, you have your team to be that mm -hmm. thought partner and to plan with, but now ultimately that buck stops with you. And so, yes, you still have those thought partners at the next level, our support system from the DO, our colleagues, our more veteran principals, like both of right. you gentlemen, um, but on your site that, so so I guess I would have said, trust, trust your instincts. You've been trained by really great mentors and you have lifelines, so, so, Trust, trust your instincts. That's what I would have told, I think, yeah, Alicia Bonnet of, of a year and a half ago. And then that's one of the things I think that, that a lot of us get into once you're the principal, you feel like, okay, now it's all on me. Yeah. yeah. And to some, to and some extent it is, but it doesn't have to be. Correct. And, and then you go through the, you know, well, mm -hmm. if I call my boss about this problem, they're going to think they promoted gonna... the wrong person. Yes. Uh, so then we all build our little network of, okay, I'm not going to call the superintendent mm -hmm. for this one. I'm going to call, uh, you know, somebody that I was an AP with that might have gotten to be a principal. Yeah, and so I guess it would be just be relaxed. You know, yeah. trust your instincts um, and reach out to your friends and mentors. It, it does not all fall on you because at that time there was the immense, holy moly, the the big the big reality of the responsibility. But at the same time, you still have that same network that's always been there. Right. So use them. Yeah, and as we reach out, we learn that all of us have been through similar situations and 
it's a great resource. Like I reached out to Land a few times. I've reached out to you, you know, mm -hmm. all of you at one time or another, and we've all been through similar situations. And that collaborative culture that we have as administration, I think, is what helps us to be successful as a district. Right. And I think it's like you have to be okay with with accepting that you don't have to have all the answers mm -hmm. and know everything. I think my first day, my first weeks as principal, I felt like. Oh, they put me in charge of a school. Oh my gosh, yeah. I have to know everything. <laughs> right. And so you put that pressure on yourself. It's like, I have to have all the answers. Somebody's going to come to me any minute and ask me something. I'm not going to know the answer. And so I, it took me a long time to get to the point of, it, of being okay to say, I don't know. Right. Um, yeah. But I know people I can call. I know I can seek wise counsel. I know yeah. friends. I can I can have thought partners. I can I can get answers. And you know, f uh, along with that, feeling supported by your district office and, and whether it's student services, special services, ed services, business, right. all these different departments. You know, uh, for me, I can speak in this district. I've always felt supported in that way. So I've gotten to a point where I'm not never afraid to to call and ask right. a question. And it kind of leads to the next part. Um, you know, the advice that you'd have for new principals. What's some of the best advice that you've received? Uh, either from your colleagues or from maybe from your teaching staff or sure. from other administrators. What's something that stuck in your head that you go, wow, I wish I had known that even earlier, but that you've been able to resonate, resonate um, with Um Mr. Mike Everett, the principal of Asperia High School, at the time when I got appointed to Ranchero, um, he has been a friend and a colleague for many years. We went through a lot of our co-administrative years together. And at the time, we were working as the one and two of HHS. And had to sit down with him and I will never forget the one thing he said it's so simple and so powerful listen more than you speak to yeah, your yeah. team and and I'm constantly reminding myself of that listen more than you speak and, and because it translates into so many different situations and whether it's your stakeholders your parents your kids your teaching staff your superiors your friends you know um, and I joke a lot but at, when we're talking about serious stuff can you really make the best decision unless you truly understand where all stakeholders are coming from? And so I really, I really try to remind myself of that. And that's what that's immediately when I read um, the question, that was the first thing that popped into my mind. So it's a good one. And what about you, Shannon? What's the best advice? I can't believe I'm going to say this, but um, there's something that a lot of people said to me my first year as principal, and it's go slow to go fast. And at first I would get really frustrated with um, that expression because I'm like, what does that even mean? Go slow <laughs> to go fast. Like, but I think that has been some of the best advice because it's helped me to remain focused because if I'm on some type of roller coaster, then I'm taking my staff and my school on this roller coaster with me. So just to keep focused, go slow to go fast. Um, that's been the best advice that I've leaned on so far. What about you, Eric? Uh, yeah, and actually, I want to make a comment because I think it's an interesting one because I, I think that that can frustrate some people. It's like, no, we don't mm -hmm. have time to go slow. There's a mm -hmm. sense of urgency, but also if you think about um, staff culture, and it's Bonnet hinted at this, you know, making sure you understand your people. Um, you know, I, 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 I try to take in lots and lots of wise knowledge and just listening to people and podcasts and, and co-workers and one I came across recently uh, was put out there by Brene Brown so uh, author oh, yeah. speaker mm -hmm. um, she speaks a lot on shame vulnerability trust all these things and um, it's very simple but it's like um, I'm not here to be right I'm here to get it right and so that's one that's very recent for me that I I, just, I read it one day I was like wow that's you know that's really powerful and so it's just been something at the forefront of my mind especially in a time like this when we're in a lot of contentious mm -hmm. tense 
you know, difficult situations when you don't have all the answers and it's whether it's with parents or with your staff or the district office and you're trying to, all of you are trying to work through these difficult things. You just, for me, it's a good reminder to me. It's like, okay, I'm, I'm here to get it right for the kids. Number one, not necessarily to assert myself and be right and be the loudest voice in the room, make sure that everybody hears me, but to listen and make sure that, um, you know, ultimately whatever we end up with is, is going to be the right decision for our kids. Love that yeah. one. Yeah, that, that will now forever be my other one that I remember. I love that one. Yeah, and, and that Simple. actually Simple. that leads into a story that I kind of wanted to, to share on this episode um, because I know that when we first become principals, it's all about am I right or am I wrong? You don't want to make the big mistake that's either going to get parents upset or get you in trouble with the district or whatever. Um, and then you'll ride that for, for several years. Okay, am I, am I right or am I wrong? Um, and as long as I'm making a, a decision that makes sense, that I can justify, that I'm not getting, we're, we're done. We don't need to think about it mm -hmm. anymore. Well, probably, uh, which brings us to the scary Halloween clown incident of 2015. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Yeah. I know a little bit. I think that parent ended up with us. Yeah, I think I, I think so. Um, but to, to give you some background on this, and it's kind of timely with Halloween coming up in yeah, not too it's long. October first. Um, that's right. So, as as at all our schools, when Halloween starts coming up, do we have the costumes? Do we not have the costumes? Do we have the parades? Do we not have the parades? Uh, well, the school I was at, it, it was a long tradition of the Halloween parade. So, okay, sure, we're not going to take that away. We're going to come in costume on Halloween. We're going to we're going to celebrate it. It's going to be awesome. Um, now, of course, if you're going to do that, you need to send out the rules, okay? No, no fake weapons, no accessories, no makeup, no masks. Ironically, we had a no mask rule, and now we're, um, and now we're segueing into you can't come to school without a mask. Um, but we sent that out on flyers to our parents. The teachers were announcing it every other day. Don't wear face paint, don't wear a mask, don't wear makeup, no accessories. It was on our marquee. It was on our social media. You could not miss this message at all. So now we're on Halloween morning. In walks a fourth grade student in full, terrifying, awesome, full clown makeup, clown costume, big shoes, red balloon. You're talking about like scary oh, clown, right? Like the Stephen King terrifying. version. Terrifying, yeah. that's exactly who it was. Yeah. Blood dripping from the chin, <laughs> horrifying. If this had been in a, the costume contest at our Halloween festival the weekend before, would have won hands down. As soon as the student walks in, I'm like, this cannot happen. So I was like, sweetie, I had asked her name because I couldn't recognize her, which hence the safety problem. You can't identify the student, sure. there's issues. So I said, That's a pretty good costume. If oh, you it, it was fantastic. Yeah. Wow, okay. I can't state that enough. It was an incredible costume, completely inappropriate given our rules. So I had her go into the nurse's office dressroom, take off the makeup, I said, wear the rest of the costume. It's great. Keep the costume on. I just can't have you have the face paint on. So she goes in, takes it off, takes off the makeup, and unbeknownst to me, texts dad about how the mean principal is making her take her Halloween makeup off. So just about the same time she comes out of the restroom without her makeup, mom and dad come flying in the front door and they are lighting me up. How dare you ruin Halloween for our daughter? I'm like the anti-Halloween person who hates joy and fun you know, in their mind. Um, so I, I asked them, but did you get the flyer? You saw our rules, Mom. Yeah, I saw the rules. It's like, well, okay then. Why are we having this problem? And it didn't matter. They were upset. I was the bad guy. They said, oh, they were just going to take her to a different school then, which uh, it's their right. I thought mm -hmm. it was a little bit of an overreaction. But they were very upset. Um, and, and they left, and that's what happened. I mean, they, they pulled her out, and I felt terrible. I mean, it was a great costume. And then driving home that day is when the lesson of this really hit me. 
that you can be right and wrong, but just because you're right doesn't mean it was the best decision. Nobody could say that I made the wrong call there. We had advertised mm -hmm. this. She admitted she knew the rule and willfully broke it. And 10 years earlier in my career, I went, you know what, heck with her. She knew the rule, she broke it, too bad. But then I'm driving home that day, you know what, here's what I could have done. Instead of having the daughter take the makeup off in the restroom and then calling the parents, I could have the daughter sit in my office, full makeup, call the parents and say, hey, we got a problem here. And then discuss the rules and then discuss that and then come to a solution with them mm -hmm. saying, I can't have her go out on, on campus in full face paint. Can't do that. What do you suggest? They could either take her home, they could wash the makeup off, they could do it from then, but then we come to that decision together rather than me give them news they didn't want to hear, right or wrong, and, and then create that problem. So the, the takeaway that I got from there is, once you get more experience, once you have a decision in mind that you think is right, don't stop thinking. Because maybe there's a better decision that's gonna solve some problems down the road, so. Love that. Yeah. yeah. So anybody else have any mistakes you wanna, you wanna share? Oh, I have a ton. You guys <laughs> asked all, for just one. I think one. we all do. I think I, we all do. I, there's no statute of limitations that has expired, right? So yes. if we share a well, mistake. Well, it depends. Is it an well, active investigation? No, no, no. <laughs> I, I, I have one that's a little bit lighter and then a more serious okay. one, I think, like you said. The, the first one where I'm saying there's no statute of limitations, I'll never forget. I am a 26-year-old vice principal of activities at Asbury High School. is my very first year. is my very first lunchtime activity as the VP of activities that I am in charge of. And the kids come up with this idea that they want to do a contest of having the kiddos pop an Alka-Seltzer in their mouth and then chug some soda and see who can oh, hold geez. it in their cheeks the longest. What could go wrong? I have, to tell wrong you, I have to tell you, no students were injured in any way, shape, or form. Disclaimer. There's my disclaimer. Um, and, 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 and it was absolutely hysterical. And it was a great, a great um, lunchtime activity as far as engagement. In hindsight, when I got questioned on it about, hey, that probably wasn't the best idea, and, and, and again, it, it wasn't. So when you're talking about mistakes, that was clearly one that will forever stand out in my mind, but everybody was fine, never did anything like that again. Uh, was worried that my administrative career was gonna be very short-lived at that point for a little bit, but anyways, it was all good. Um, the more important one, I think, is that there's no such thing as over-communication, and I've said, I mean, with or without the pandemic, information brings comfort. And just when myself or the leadership team is getting tired of emailing and texting and calling and posting, and there's nothing else we could have done to get this message or this information out, that's right about the same time the, the people that need to hear it are just now starting to hear it. And so I would say that there's no such thing as over-communication, especially when you're dealing with a large secondary campus, you know, um, that you cannot over-communicate. And it builds trust when they know that you're getting information out. And so that would be my, um, I, I don't know that there was a mistake. It was more of an aha. Like yeah, just when no, I feel like, okay, I can't beat a dead horse anymore. No, it's just yeah. now starting to change. So you just beat away on that horse, Alicia. That's kind of what I've learned. Yep. Um, this has been a and don't give important. kids Alka-Seltzer and soda. No. <laughs> Not a good combo. I digress. Um, yeah, especially now. I mean, in right? the situation we're currently in at this moment, in the middle of a pandemic and distance learning, communication has become critically important. Virtual, digital communication you know, and mm -hmm. the Backpack Express is becoming more and more obsolete because we realize there's so many other ways mm -hmm. sure. to get those messages out. So. Yeah. 
Um, like I've made several mistakes along the way, but I think one of the most, the ones I remember the most is a mistake I made my first week as an assistant principal. It was a very busy, chaotic week and we had some behaviors. And so I know there was a student that um, kind of had some bad behavior. So I needed to call home to let the parent know what was happening. And really quickly, I went into our um, infinite campus to look up the student and I called home and I was explaining to mom what the child did and the mom kept saying, oh my goodness, I can't believe it. I cannot believe my child did this. And I was telling her, I know sometimes things like this are surprising, but this is what happened. And I was going into full detail and she's like, that doesn't even sound like my kid at all. And then I scrolled over to the picture and I realized <laughs> it wasn't her kid. <laughs> and I felt so bad because she was mortified. And then I'm letting her know what another child did on campus, which probably wasn't very reassuring to her. And so it was a really embarrassing mistake. And it taught me to always pay attention to details. Go slow to go fast. Yeah, exactly. like, uh, that's not yeah. what I was going to share, but I had the exact same story at the same school. but throw in a teacher who was making the call for me because it was a translation. So I had the teacher call to tell a parent that their child was being suspended oh, for no. something he did. And so the teacher calls and has the very similar conversation only to find out later that I'd, I, it was my fault, I had the teacher call the wrong parent. So now no, I've, I've put the teacher through, you know what, I, I embarrassed <laughs> the teacher. And then I had to go to the teacher and say, can you call him back and tell him it was a mistake? <laughs> yeah, exactly. so, and, and That's a you much know, easier call to make Yeah, than you know this teacher, she's at your school now, but uh, You just hope that the parent hadn't really better. punished the kid in the meantime. <laughs> right? I'm, I'm thinking of like a Christmas story, right? When Ralphie's telling mom that, that it was Schwartz that yeah, taught exactly. him the bad language. And so you, Schwartz is getting smacked down oh, in the background. Don't lie to me. Your principal wouldn't say you were getting suspended yeah. if it wasn't <laughs> oh, you. Yeah. Yeah. Oh Poor my kid. goodness. Oh wow, those were some great stories. And yeah. you know, we've all learned from our mistakes and we will continue to do so. So I guess that brings us now to the extra credit question. Uh, we like to wrap up every episode with something weird, goofy, or strange and just uh, speculate on that. So the question for today, you're, being, you're a superintendent hiring a new middle school principal. What fictional character would you choose and why? So who wants to start it off? I can start. Okay, I, I, I have one. Uh, in middle school is is its own unique time and you got to be a little crazy to want to work in middle school there's just an mm -hmm. aspect of that right. so i went with lucille crunklehorn from the disney <laughs> you're laughing wait, 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 this is the i've got 21 caffeine patches and i'm uh, <laughs> from meet the robinsons okay okay so she is an incredibly <laughs> smart scientist she's funny caring nice intelligent all of these things but she also knows how to keep up with middle school kids by using you know the 21 caffeine patches and is just 100 miles an hour all the time to keep and what up was the last name she lucille crunklehorn that's a perfect name for an administrator right crunklehorn. i thought so too so that's that like that is who i went with for my fictional principal of middle school okay i'm getting an education today yeah well i'm way more simple and probably a little less fun i went with milan from Disney also because she's fearless. And I think to be a middle school principal, you absolutely have to be 
fearless. Absolutely. Makes sense. Mm-hmm. I got Tony Stark. Oh, okay. nice. Iron Man. Yeah. I mean, because he's flipping Iron Man. I mean, you know, <laughs> <laughs> he's cool. He's, he's very trendy. He's popular. But, you know, I, I love Tony Stark just as much as a little Iron Man. What if so... Tony Stark borrowed her caffeine patches? I don't know about well, that. Tony, that. Tony Stark, <laughs> well, you wouldn't have a funding issue either because he's a bazillionaire. So, I mean, caffeine yeah. patches, he could just build those into the Yeah, suits. he would build them in. Yeah. I mean, the school mascot yeah, would be amazing. I mean, he's so incredibly intelligent, but, but he's also very witty. Yeah. And I think that he would relate to that odd time in a kid's life very yeah. very well well my wife and i That's just we, we spent yeah. a lot of the the quarantine time going through the entire marvel series and, and yeah. tony stark's my favorite from the oh. from the whole thing for exactly the reasons Easy. you outlined yeah. and it's funny that you mentioned that because my um middle school principal is also from the marvel universe i would have to go with dr bruce banner yeah. Um, he's, okay. he, he's got the science down. He would be um, great for the STEM programs. And honestly, I think if we're thinking about it, I mean, I know what people are thinking. He's the Incredible Hulk. I think in a middle school setting, he'd only have to go full Hulk maybe one time. <laughs> maybe at the beginning of the year, just let it loose. Yeah, there'd be some maintenance and operations issues that would have to come in. They'd have to repair some buildings or whatever. It would be worth it. But I think once the kids saw that he would do it, he wouldn't have to do it. You know what? I'm thinking this. I'm only at, I'm, every I'm, other year because right. they're only in middle school yeah. for two years. So you know. Yeah, but there's always that one kid. That <laughs> I was, was that's like, what I was getting. That one kid. It's like, hey guys, watch this. Miss <laughs> 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 Bonnet knows better than anybody. You know, She's out of middle school. There's always that one. I was gonna say, having only been in an elementary school by career, maybe I'm underestimating. Mm-hmm middle school kids to get the one kid that's just gonna hit dr banner with a slingshot one time <laughs> you know like, you know it would, it would be the it would be the uh, marvel middle school version of pulling the fake fire alarm yeah totally you know? yeah. and then they'd all have their phones out and you'd, have, you'd have tiktoks of bruce oh, banner yeah. going going hulk all over the place. so all right maybe maybe dr banner slash hulk wouldn't be uh the best idea so it would be fun yeah to say the least I think we've come to the end of another episode. We Mr. have, Land. yeah. Is there anything else that either one of you would like to share that we didn't get to today? No, this was a blast. Thank you for yeah. having me, gentlemen. Absolutely. You know Appreciate what? We love to have fun, and we like, we like to learn in the middle. So thank you for sharing your stories with us. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, that wraps up today's episode of Alone with Our Principles. Thank you again for Alicia and Shannon for joining us. And as always, we would love for you to subscribe, rate, review our podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, or the Podbean app. See you next time. Bye.